we are the fastest growing economy and our healthcare system is is really good you know we've got uh, really good english speaking doctors so i think in the global economy india is definitely coming up in a big way especially in clinical research hello everyone and welcome to another episode of i am christina diarcantelo and we're rearing at the end of may and what a great month of may it was for all of us especially those like pathic and myself who work in the mental health space as it relates to clinical research i'm sorry to like tip you guys off already about him but without further ado welcome pathic why don't you tell everyone about yourself thank you christina first of all for having me on the podcast I think it's great uh, uh you know we met in uh, Philly and now it's great to connect again uh basically I am from India uh we run a clinical research center and uh, again I'd like just to say that you know Christina you're doing a great job I just saw your podcast on uh on Ukraine clinical research and now you've got me so you know it's great that you're getting you know various international folks onto your podcast uh, I love that thank you <laughs> uh just to uh give you a little bit of background of myself uh uh we run a cro in india and we've been around for about uh, 16 years now we started in 2006 we actually started off uh, just as a research site uh, within a large multi speciality hospital uh but the model was quite unique you know when we started off we we started with a dedicated research center we don't like to call ourselves an smo uh we are uh part of the hospital uh, as an extension of the hospital and uh, i think the model got appreciated by a lot of uh, global pharma at that time and we work with all the top 10 pharma uh in 2013 we then decided to di- diversify and then move up the value chain a little bit and uh, uh, become a full service cro so we didn't uh, directly dive into it we did a lot of uh, nutraceutical studies and uh, otcs and cosmetics just to get an uh, you know uh, to get into things as a full service cro and then eventually moved into phase clinical trials so that's a little bit about uh, our journey uh, my background is uh, i'm a business business guy i'm actually quite an uh, i would say an outlier in the clinical research industry my background is i'm actually an accountant <laughs> and who's accidentally got into got into clinical research which a lot of people find funny but uh, then uh, i i did my mba in the us and uh, and then uh, you know uh, networked with a lot of pharmaceutical folks i knew i was going to do this before i i uh, i did but that's a whole different story <laughs> that's awesome i commend you because i too are similar to you like here i do clinical research and i have a, a business i have multiple business degrees multiple and uh even a paralegal uh certification that you know in florida i could practice as an aba paralegal and here i'm in the biotech space so a lot of times i'm sure you get these questions too when they're like well wait a minute help me understand how you went from being an accountant to getting yeah. into this space so tell me about it because that's interesting for for our viewers to hear our listeners depending upon how they come across our podcast because it shows your tenacity to not give up right you got into something that was a little uncomfortable for you because you didn't come from that acumen right to begin with and then you just went into it so talk to us a little bit about that 
So, uh, to be honest, actually, the original plan wasn't to do this. You know, I don't come from <laughs> from an entrepreneurial background. My parents are doctors, and uh, the the original plan was, you know, I was working with Deloitte, a typical you know accounting firm, and uh, I decided to do my MBA. I was planning to, you know, uh, uh, finish my MBA, get a job. and live happily ever after basically <laughs> but uh, before i moved to uh, i uh, went to my mba uh, i actually met the chairman of uh, uh, a large uh, hospital in uh, pune india where where i live and uh, through my mom who's a doctor at the hospital uh, uh, we got talking about this opportunity in uh, clinical research services and that's when you know i started thinking about this as a business plan i went to the us wrote the business plan there uh, and then uh, you know also uh, networked with a lot of pharmaceutical folks i also did a job in pfizer uh, you know for a short time to get the pharmaceutical experience and 2006 actually came back and started this this company so it's been it's quite it's been quite a uh, exciting journey i must say it's awesome i love that and i love I love the fact that you're like listen I didn't set off to do this I just stumbled upon it. And that's like what happened to me, you know, like when I got into this space I was really young, uh 21 years old. Um and I was working at a law firm that was in a satellite office um in Valley Forge PA which you now know where that is because it's not far from Philly where you were when you came out here uh not too long ago. So I was working as an M&A mergers and acquisition paralegal and it so happens one of my colleagues went downstairs to work for a CRO that was a global CRO it was a mid-sized CRO and um she went to go work in CEO and they had a contracts position opened um where they needed someone to negotiate the sponsor contracts the contracts with the sites and work in the finance group through some of the things that were billed against from a sponsor standpoint um so she said she asked me to interview down there because i have legal knowledge right and yeah. um i was a bankruptcy litigation paralegal back in the day i was going to court every thursday once a month so like i understand all these filings and all these things i understand breach so when you know she asked me if i would do it i said oh i'll interview but i don't know if they're going to hire me but i hope it doesn't make you look bad right yeah. <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing and so i got interviewed and sure enough they accepted me as a as you know a candidate i got an offer and i started working there and it was the it was so exciting i was learning so much i'm sure you feel the same way like when you first got into this and we yeah. still learn you know yeah. that's another important thing to mention is that just because we're at the top of the of our our food chain so to speak in our companies as cs ceos that doesn't mean that we don't learn every day we learn from our people and we learn from people that we interact with on a daily basis oh absolutely absolutely no uh, you know thank you for sharing your story it's it's pretty exciting that you know these things happened by accident and then it's you know we've been in this for i don't know how many years now so a you long know, time we, it's it's been a long time so yeah it's it's great It's I think it's awesome and I think also it's a testament to the fact that we accept challenges head on and we just keep going until we get to where we think we were supposed to be wherever that ends up being and then always 
where when you get to where you're supposed to be, then you're also looking to where you want to go next. It's a constant right. hurdle. Right. We just keep jumping over these hurdles time and time again. And I can see that with the way that you built your your businesses that you didn't set out intentionally and it just you were paying attention to some of the things and then you expanded on that because you saw a need that yeah. you could help provide a solution yeah. for. Yeah. So I've just been uh, to the U.S. for about a month now. Uh, I met a lot of, uh, you know, prospective and existing clients. And, you know, I must say it's it's been pretty exciting. Uh, uh, you know, I've enjoyed myself. Previously, you know, I used to spend most of my initial uh, uh, discussion with prospective clients talking about India as a country because, you know, they knew so little bit about it. And, you know, the general impression was, you know, uh, uh, there's there is poverty and uh, uh, you know there are traffic issues which is true but there's another side to it of course you know India has uh, a lot of potential you know we just are now the most populous country in the world of course we are patient enrollment <laughs> yeah <laughs> we are the fastest growing economy and our healthcare system is is really good you know we've got uh, really good English speaking doctors so I think uh, you know. Uh, uh, in the global economy, uh, India is definitely, you know, uh, coming up in a big way, especially in clinical research. Absolutely. I mean, that was one of the reasons why we went out there and have a brick and mortar in India last year. Um, and the majority of my team is not offshore. They're Indian on purpose. Like we purposely target that population of professionals because we are a global enterprise. And even with my brand, even CD, we have... Um, we have people that work in India that support the brand. And right. we this year launched our first global APA affinity patient advocacy ambassador program, where we have our interns come in, and they work in the summer with us on different initiatives. So we have right. three interns in the Northeast here, which makes sense, because I'm in the Northeast here in the States. And then we have three uh, interns from India, also. And so this is giving these these kids an opportunity to work across the globe and learn about each other and business practices and advocacy is patient advocacy is something that's needed all over the world. Right. So we're doing something that everybody needs, even in India. You need it. I have patients right. that have been coming to us lately, ironically, that need help in India. A lot of oncology patients um, yeah. have been coming to me because we're everywhere and because Affinity is a sister for the CRO that's there and I'm everywhere, CD, people can find me and then they can get help. So it's it's really exciting. Um, we're going to be releasing a lot of blogs from our interns and you're going to see them come out of India and the United States. You're going to see their marketing stuff starting to pop up. And then we're going to have, uh, we're going to shoot a podcast with all of that. So oh, that people, right? So that people see them because you know, as a leader, I feel like we are the same here too. We try to build our team up, right? I had the pleasure of meeting some of your team yesterday on yeah. a Zoom. Yeah. We were talking about spectral stuff and it was so neat to see, like you didn't have to be present and I don't have to be present either in yeah. meetings and it'll still flow the way it's supposed to flow and everybody yeah. feels heard and yeah. seen, which is important in business. And, right. you know, for us, I never want to be viewed as an American that doesn't understand all the cultures. I got yeah. into this 
industry globally, like I said, when I was in my early 20s. And my right. second job industry was Johnson & Johnson, and I worked on Remicade, which was a big blockbuster for them. And there they they mandated that we did global training. I think it was every quarter we had to do it as part of our job core skill set because they constantly wanted to establish soft skill. And so yeah. a lot of that stuff may be very aware here. Yeah. And so like for you and I to talk, it, when we talked, it was like we'd known each other forever. We'd never even spoke to each other when we had our first Zoom. Absolutely, absolutely. No, uh, that's amazing. You know, uh, obviously, Christina, you're ahead of the curve. You know, you, you've been, uh, you know, you've uh, been, uh, uh, you know, exploring India much before. But in this trip, I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to be, uh, to be honest. Uh, uh, people were, you know, when they said I'm, I'm from India, they wanted to talk to me immediately and, you know, see how how they could explore the opportunities here. So, so it's 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 pretty. Uh, it's pretty eye-opening as compared to my previous experience. I must say. That is so positive. You know, yeah. I love to hear that, especially since we're an industry that was almost crippled during COVID, right? Absolutely. All of us were dealing with some sort of situation or another during COVID. You all were working on COVID treatments. I was working on, you know, all of my companies were also working <laughs> on COVID treatments. Then the nonprofit was getting patients left, right, and center that were long hauler patients, patients with COVID, patients with vaccine issues, all these things were happening. And I'm, I'm so happy that it made people understand that you have to be more global mindful as it right. relates to clinical development and that we need to help all of the communities in the world. It's not just focused on the United States, which I feel as though we're very elitist about, I, I, I don't operate that way, as you know. I purposely make sure that we have the global span and the reach, and I purposely target certain yeah. things, like helping people in the Dominican Republic, working on FDA filings in the DR, equivalent FDA. You know, I, I did that a couple of years already in my career this past couple of years. You know, I, I hope that people start to want to really help patients outside of the United States. And the FDA is now mandating specifically they keep sending out you know language and things that we need to adhere to with response to the global patients they want in these clinical trials to understand the genetics yeah. yes yes no that uh, that's that's very true in fact uh, you know just uh, to tell you about uh, during covid uh, you know obviously you know it it was a completely different situation and then we took that opportunity to kind of leapfrog in the decentralized space, you know. So uh, we were also uh, uh, working on the COVID vaccine study, you know, the AstraZeneca Oxford mm -hmm. study. And uh, uh, we, you know, you know, in a very short time, we could uh, move the entire thing in a paperless uh, uh, way where, you know, the informed consent was done using the patient app and uh, the patients didn't need to come to the hospital or, uh, and, you know, it could be done completely remotely. Remotely. Uh, yeah, the IP could be shipped to the patient's house. The uh, blood draws could be done from the patient. So it was 
it was completely remote and paperless. So I think we use COVID as, you know, an opportunity to kind of uh, uh, leapfrog in that space. I think so. I mean, I know, like, I've, I'm sure you guys were also running studies that were non-COVID related during COVID. And yeah. our all of our enrollment was very yeah. difficult because yeah. even if you could ship study drug to them directly, depending upon what the compound was and what it was scheduled at, um, a lot of these patients were feeling very stressed out mental health wise oh, yeah. with all oh, yeah. this because there was that isolation um, that happened that were mandated by many of our governments across the world. Um, and you had mentioned, well, before we got on about you know my podcast, or actually you said it today, the podcast with the Ukraine, um, Anna, when I spoke with her about her experience of being in an actual country that was in war and running yeah. clinical studies Listen, folks, I don't know why people think it's so sexy what it is that we do here. It is not. Yeah. It is very it is. difficult. It's very challenging. And I especially appreciate and applaud people like you that and Anna, for example, that worry about patient safety first, right? Making sure our patients are safe in these clinical studies. You, right. you probably saw the recent podcast I was on with Dan Safara, and then oh, I yes. had him on my podcast prior, and then I was on yeah. his and we talked about this from the site center art space, which is yeah. where you also are. And so is Anna. And look at this, you're in India, Anna's in the Ukraine, um, old boy Dan, he's in Arizona, originally from the LA area. I'm in the Northeast and in, in, in the Philadelphia area. And we're all saying the same things. Yeah. So it's the same language, yeah. Right. It, it's patient safety at the end of it. That's that's the that's the core of all what we do. You know, that's that's the most important thing. Absolutely. I I, I am so. I, it makes me so happy that you know that I find people like you that you were all drawn to work together um, because we all want to do what's right for these patients, and we know that a lot of them are suffering from horrible things, right? And yeah. This is a potential shot for them, not shot meaning sub Q or something like that. I just mean an opportunity, yeah. opportunity yeah. like shooting it. Um, <laughs> um, you know that this might help them feel better in yeah. the end, right? And and I think that if we constantly have that advocacy mindset, Absolutely. which you know I'm very obviously very centered about that, I choose that first. You know, patient advocacy is number one even when I'm working in the CRO setting or when I'm working in spectral, my patient's focus is really who I am. And you are yeah. the same. Anna's the same. Dan's the same. His whole entire team, I get to meet them recently when I was on his podcast and they're amazing individuals, Dr. Joe, especially nutraceutical physician that's out there to help people feel better without stacking on all these medications without having drug drug interactions. Yeah. Yeah. I just wrote, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to inter interrupt you, but I, I just popped into my head. I just wrote a case study, actually two case studies for spectral for telemonitoring. Mm -hmm. And I talked about two different case studies that were personal to me. One was with my about my brother and his battle with opiates and having CHF and then dying from COVID and how this all fell down and why it fell down and what is the solution. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then that was in 22. And then my recent, my mom's recent passing, which I shared with you when we talked the last time in yeah. January of 23 and how 
there was not enough communication between the physician, the hospital, the pharmacies, the nursing homes. There were all yeah. these people involved. And yeah. this, and here I am, somebody who knows better, but I couldn't yeah. see what I could, what needed to see because she wasn't hooked into the telemonitoring system. If my mom was in the telemonitoring system or my brother was, this wouldn't have happened. So yeah, yeah. we put no, ourselves out there yeah, on yeah. purpose no, for patients. Sympathize. So it's, 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 you know, it's hard for us as being part of the healthcare system to see this. And, uh, you know, it's sad. And unfortunately in COVID, you know, everybody has lost some uh, near mm -hmm. dear ones, but at least now, you know, we can say it's past uh, behind us and we can move ahead. Mm -hmm. And at least we, uh, being in the industry, can make a little bit of a difference, some mm -hmm. impact that, you know, uh, uh, improve people, other patients' lives. I love that. I agree with you 100%. I think that COVID taught us a lot of things on how we could be better. Yeah, yeah. And I think also it taught us that spending time with our loved ones, you know, yeah, and people yeah. we appreciate and care care about who we were quarantined with, obviously, because there was that that happened too, where you couldn't see people and people were dying in their in your family and you yeah. couldn't go see them. I mean, my brother, when he died, he, he yeah. didn't die from CHF. CHF was the cause of, of why he ravished so badly with COVID. But when he died, I had to say goodbye through an iPad. I was oh, lucky though, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. People in your country, they were dying and you yeah. couldn't, you didn't even know they were dying. They were yeah, dying yeah. because there was no way to track them. And then they would find them days later dead. That's true. And then that, where do you put them? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know? it, it, it was a horrible situation. It was a horrible situation. During COVID, just because uh, we were part of the healthcare system, we were getting call about 100, 120 calls a day, just asking for, is there a bed available? Is there a remdesivir available? Is there, you know, oxygen available? We, and it, we were quite helpless at that situation mm -hmm. because, you know, there was a shortage everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, people were dying. The morgues were full. It, it was just a horrible situation, mm -hmm. but. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we are, uh, uh, you know, past it. Yeah yeah. 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 And like, even like I learned um, about the funeral system yep. and how different yep. it is for COVID patients. Right. I didn't know about this stuff because when my dad passed in 15, that was cancer, right? Stage four liver, lung and stomach cancers, which started yep. APA. Um, yep. When my brother died and when he died, it was January of 22. So it was one nine twenty two. We were still at the height of COVID at that point. Uh, the right. treatment drug came out from Pfizer, but the problem with that was not everybody had it. That yeah. was another thing that was happening. So even though we bought supposedly the United States, all these doses of this drug, not everybody got it. And some yeah. of the patients that were Medicaid didn't get it. Yeah. So it was like, okay, here we are working hard to help solve this issue and now still not everybody's getting what they need. Absolutely. No. <laughs> it's such a dichotomy. I, yeah, I is, mean, yeah. but yeah. I'm so glad that everybody, when you came out here not too long ago, that there was an awareness about India in a positive way. Like you said, yes. I loved how you brought it up very carefully in the beginning, which was stigmatization. Well, it's yeah. an impoverished country. Is there yeah. really compliance? What's their healthcare really like? You know, um, should we waste our money? I mean, 
I can't even believe that people would say things like this. I know because I've been in rooms where it's been said. Hence the yeah. reason why I'm saying things and you're shaking your head because I know you've heard it before. Yes. So yes. this is nonsense. So I'm really glad that we're starting to really embrace all the global yeah. countries and we're trying to work with people everywhere we can possible to really help patients feel better because that's yeah. what our jobs are in, in this industry is to help people feel better at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was, this was great. So thank you so much for, I'm sorry I talked a lot about, you know, advocacy no. and all that stuff, but we're one and the same when it comes to that. I know, I know that you agree with a lot of these things, uh, you know, and I agree with how you view things as well. So I figured let's, let's show different sides of who you are today so people can really see why you do what you do, that you are a heart-centered service-oriented leader. There's not many of us out there. I know I'm one of them. And, you know, it's not easy, right? Yeah, it's not easy. No, but it's it's great. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, thank you again for inviting me on the podcast. I've enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed the interactions we've had previously also. I think there's a, as a great connection. And I'm really looking forward to working with uh, you, you know, in the long term and see how we can make a difference together. Me too. I can't wait. I cannot wait because there's a lot of things we can do together. We're stronger together than separate. And I I said that today. I was on, I'm not to be corny, but I was on with my tech team and my biostatician from Affinity Bio Partners and then the new business development head for Spectral. And we were talking about the system and and, and what we want to see and things like we want to increase some of the reporting uh, capabilities based on a biostatistician's vantage point, which we were talking about earlier. It gives yeah. us a, even more competitive edge for our platform that shows we're different, right? Because we're, like you were saying, I'm an accountant, right? And I got into the space. I have a tech company and I'm not a programmer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I always say that, like I said it to your team yesterday, listen. I'm going to say what's in the room. The elephant is in the room. And that's me because I am not a tech CEO, like most Absolutely. of the EDC, EPRO and telemonitoring companies. I am a clinical researcher and patient advocate. So, you know, I make sure I say that and then I build the best team possible so that they support our initiatives, right? Because that's how we work. And I feel as though that's how you are too. And that's why we get along so well. Absolutely. I think uh, it, it's a kind of advantage that we have that we are not not from directly from the industry. We can we can get away with silly questions. And <laughs> sometimes those silly questions are actually very important. So <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I so, so appreciate it. I know there'll be other opportunities for you to come on in the future. Um, maybe we shoot one specifically about global clinical research and we invite some of my global friends on that you can then meet and we sure. could come together as one in a little while. I think that would make a lot of sense um, sure. because, you know, that's where we're we're all kind of sailing our ships to the same sea here where we know we need to be global and we know we have to help these global patients. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you again. Thank you, Christina. It was it was lovely. Thank you so much. And like we say in every episode, thank you so much for joining us today or joining me. Um, remember, we are the same. I am Christina D'Arcangelo. Thank you again. Mm -hmm.